evening. It's wonderful to have you all here. Um, as I said, we're going to be looking at the fourth mark of mission. Uh, we're carrying on. We've been looking at the five marks of mission over uh, the last few weeks. And so far, we've looked at tell, teach, and tend. And if you want to know what they were about, we've actually got a podcast, so you should check it out. This week, we're looking at transform. And this is the blurb for transform. It is to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. I'll say that again. It's to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. In the church, it is uh, Racial Justice Sunday. I just wanted to read to you um, a little blurb as to why it is today. So Racial Justice Sunday began in 1995. It was two years after the death of Stephen Lawrence, who was murdered by a group of racist men at a bus stop in London on the 22nd of April, 1993. And basically his mother, who is now made a baroness, has campaigned for justice for Stephen and dedicated her life to building a more equitable society in his name. What's so scary is that it took so long for the people to be brought to justice. 1995, it doesn't feel that long ago. And he was training to be an architect and basically he was beaten to death at a bus stop purely because he was black. In the church, we want to acknowledge this because we want to be a people who stand against it to provide a voice for those who may feel voiceless. This isn't just a Church of England thing. This is churches coming together. And there's six pastoral principles. I'm not expecting you to write them down because hopefully none of this should be new to you. But what I'm hoping is that there will be a stirring because it is still happening. The idea is to acknowledge prejudice, to speak into silence, address ignorance, name fear, admit vulnerability, pay attention to power, and finally to commit to action. The way it's worded is that they are to confront the six pervading evils, which are prejudice, silence, ignorance, fear, hypocrisy, and power which hinder our growth as Christians and stop our churches and communities from being places where all are truly welcome. The danger is that we can assume racism, for example, isn't our problem. And they argue that this derives directly from these evils. And we have these principles to help us in every Christian community to recognize where, basically, we have gone wrong. We recognize them, we confront them, we lament, we pray, and seek for transformation of hearts and of communities divided. Racial Justice Sunday fits perfectly with the fourth mark of mission, to transform. Whereas a church, we remember the importance of racial justice. We reflect on human diversity and thank God for it. And we respond by working to end injustice, racism, and ignorance through prayer and action. 
I'm fortunate enough to go into the um, the schools that we have in St. Faith's, and I went to an assembly, it's called Collective Worship now, but an assembly where um, a member of the diocese spoke very eloquently around racism and equality. And what was amazing is she talked about the difference between equality and equity. And she talks about the difference of these things. Equality is where we think we just give each everybody the same thing, and then it's equal. There's a real famous picture, which I'm sure you've seen, where some kids are trying to watch football over a high fence. And equality is that they all get given the same height box. But of course, the tallest kid can see anywhere. The one in the middle can just about see over. But the shortest one still can't see regardless of the box. Whereas equity is where you give different size boxes for different situations. We get to think creatively. We get to celebrate different gifts. The reading that was recommended for today is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. So I'd recommend you get it out on your phones or on your Bible. It's Luke, which is found in your New Testament, the second half of the book of the Bible. And it's Luke chapter 6, verse 16 to 21. You what? Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. does get me very excited, but I've actually got timers nowadays on the screen, so I can't go over. And it says this, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why were all the eyes on him? What was going on there? He stood up, he read, and they said that all the eyes were on him. He went back as it was custom, but still, it says that their eyes were fixed on him. What were they waiting for? What was the next thing? It tells you in the reading that it's taken from Isaiah. So I invite you, maybe keep a thumb in Luke, just if you want to cross-reference. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but you really should do, it's fun. Um, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah's in the Old Testament, sorry, it's on the other side. It's, on the, it's also on the other side of Psalms. You know what, I'm not going to give you a, a driving lesson in the Bible, but it is helpful. Oh, I can't not tell you. Basically, if you just split the Bible in half, usually you end up in Psalms. And then if you move to the next bit along, that'll take you to your prophets. And then you'll find Isaiah. Okay, I'm not going to get involved. Half of you aren't even on, in books anyway. 
This is what Isaiah said. So see if you recognize the words or the similar theme. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord. So traditionally, it's believed that in a synagogue, you would get up and you would read the part that is given to you. You'd read more than basically just one verse. I'd be quite annoyed if you started doing that. I ask you to do a reading, you just read one verse. Traditionally, they would read through it. And Isaiah chapter 61 actually has 11 verses. And Jesus only reads one verse and a bit of verse 2. What I find interesting is he omits the second part of verse 2. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And everybody is sat there waiting for him to say, and the day of vengeance of our God. No wonder people were looking at him. He stood up. He's basically started singing a well-known song and sits down before we get to Sweet Caroline. They know what should be coming next, but Jesus drops it. Jesus is not here for the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came, and I believe, by missing off that last line, that's where he is saying, join in. That's where he's saying to you and me back then and now, to join in. It's a joyous thing. We aren't doing it because we're scared. We're doing it because we believe it is the right thing. I started getting very passionate about this. Eye on the time, it's fine. And um, I found it was fascinating how easy it is to find texts that talk about transformation in the Bible, justice, and bringing freedom and liberty. Jesus did amazing miracles. But the ones that always surprise me the most is when he heals somebody because of all the baggage and the labels that people have put on them. He doesn't just heal the leper of a skin condition. He heals them back into society where they love him. He doesn't just heal Legion who is full of spirits and tormented things. He does something so powerful that Legion literally tries climbing into the boat saying, Jesus, take me with you. Jesus is so attractive and powerful and what's great is he says that we make his body. St. Paul says that he's the head of the body, but we are his body. We are the body of Christ on earth. And I think that means we are to carry on living and being like Jesus. I love this. It says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. Side note, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. When we look at each other, we see Jesus. We are clothed in something other than just what we are now. Then Paul goes on to say, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I love that verse. And part of me wonders, no wonder I love it, because I'm quite safe. I was having a quick chat with Beth before about this. Sorry, Beth, I'm dragging you in. But um, it is really important that I acknowledge, basically, my privilege. And not just privilege when it comes to being white, but my privilege when it comes to being male, when it comes to being married, having kids. It's also made me feel guilty, but I need to be aware of those things. Because, you see, Paul may have said in Galatians, by the way, if you're interested, it's one of his earlier letters. He's very excited about everything. Everything's lovely. Jesus is coming back any time now. There's neither Jew nor free. Imagine being stood in a church where people's slaves are stood behind their masters. And this letter's being read out saying, we're all equal. But then he says, male and female. Yet society doesn't reflect that. I know that the whole of society isn't in Christ yet. But the fact is, we are in Christ. And are we seeing male and female being treated, not just equally, but that equity that we spoke about? Responding and taking it seriously. For any further reading, I would recommend a book uh, around sexism called Everyday Sexism. This is a book by somebody called Laura Bates. And it mortified me. I don't know how else to describe it. It actually mortified me to read the oppression that women still go through. Um, and also, Laura Bates is English. I'm not saying that makes it any better. For me, it made it worse. There are things she says in that book that I struggled with so much that I had to ask the women in my life if it was true. And it was a resounding yes. Things like, have you ever felt objectified? Yes. Have you ever been touched at a club when you didn't want to be? Yes. Have you ever felt like it's your fault when things are going right in a relationship, aka gaslighting? Yes. Basically, the treatment is still not right. And I believe that as a church, we need to be leading the way. I'm fully aware that Paul speaks about women in other areas. And um, basically, we're a Church of England church. We have, we have women who are bishops. So, yeah, basically, that's where we stand there. But what I also love is it talks about the Jew nor Gentile. It talks about that otherness being addressed where we are all equal. What's scary is sometimes we don't realize the voices that can't be heard because we don't take time to reflect on where there is silence. Because I believe we are called to be the voice for those who are not heard. I believe it can start with church. It can start in our communities of how we show justice flowing, how we can see transformation. So it is Racial Justice Sunday but the fact is, it still carries on. It's the same when it comes to sexism, when it comes to other forms of oppression. But I do believe we are the body. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's just an amazing church leader, was um, during Nazi Germany. He speaks the same. He says 
that where Christians are, that is where Christ is, because we are his body. I don't think you can get any clearer than that. It's our responsibility, it's our part as God's body to join in. The prophet Amos says this, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. I believe if we want to see the world transformed, we can get involved with where God is already working. Amen.